City on the Edge. Bring us home, Mike. City on the Edge. City on the Edge. Hello. <laughs> Welcome back to City Hi, on everyone. the Edge, <laughs> um, <laughs> where we talk about Albuquerque and New Mexico stories. Hi, everyone. Uh, Hello. Joining me today, we've got Ty Bannerman. Hello, Ty. My uh, special guest, Mike Smith. What? This is not on <laughs> cinema at the cinema. <laughs> Nora Hickey and, uh, and Morrow's here. Um, she doesn't have a mic too close to her, but she might pop in. She's been known to before. We are at the Albuquerque Press Club today. So you may notice uh, a different kind of background noise, not kids yelling no. or clocks bonging, but uh, maybe some annoying music. Some uh, Simon and Garfunkel cover songs? Right. I don't know. Well, What's going on? I don't, I don't know, know what that was. It was like Fleet Foxes or something. Oh, oh. So there's live music. Paper kite. It's live music going on. No, oh. okay. It's just a recording at the bar. Yeah, yeah. And there was actually a dog barking, so that'll be at oh, least yeah. familiar to people who've listened to the ones we've done at my house. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Stairs creaking. Yeah, stairs creaking. Mm-hmm. All right, maybe we should have like a Albuquerque chains. Albuquerque roundup of notable things about Albuquerque this that, week. That's happened this week. All right. Um, anyone have something? Well, just this just afternoon, there oh. was some. Bad news at the rail yards. That's true. Fire at the fire rail yards. At the rail yards. Smoke rail yards from that are on fire. So this is uh, the historic Santa Fe Railway shops in Borelis, which uh, yeah. is a mm. community that was absorbed by Albuquerque. Built in nineteen, built between nineteen fifteen and nineteen twenty five. Yeah. Um, formed the backdrop of uh, movies like Terminator Salvation. It's where Christian Bale had his famous freakout at the lighting guy. Innumerable, innumerable (laughs) numbers of uh, Breaking Bad episodes. Oh, so many, yeah. Dude, so many places. Including the promo poster for the fifth season was inside it. Yeah. The rail yards is interesting because they replaced all their panes of glass with like these pieces of green plastic. And so it looks really striking when you look up at the 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 windows. Like it's just this, uh, you know, kind of collage of colors and clear spots. It's really, it's kind of interesting. I like it. It's like amazing to explore. It's so massive. Can you just go in there? Well, now they have that market. Uh, oh, right. Every so often. You, so, can, poke, you can go to the Rail yeah, Yards yeah. Market on Sunday, yeah. and it's in one of the buildings, so obviously yeah. you get to see that one. But then you can kind of you know, go off the trail a little yeah. bit and kind of check around. They'll probably yell yeah. at you if you go too far, but yeah. there's some really cool yeah. buildings. There's 18 buildings there, it says. Um, wow. Assuming that they uh, all survive this fire. I hope they do, because that I is an amazing... I think it's been contained. Yeah, that's so good. I don't know what the damage is yet, but... I hope so. I used yeah. to say I thought it was the best um, abandoned building in the Southwest. I mean, it was just incredible. Sure. It's so massive, and street artists have discovered it, and there's so mm-hmm. many just amazing art pieces in there, like whole walls covered in the best stuff. Oh, cool. Tags going back forever. Breaking Bad has like documentary valuable value for Albuquerque's yeah. graffiti scene for all the things that they captured at the rail yards. Like That stuff is ephemeral. It's gone the moment it's created, basically. It's also and the that, home of the Wheels Museum. You ever yeah. been there? I don't, oh, no. I'm never sure of what the, huh. what the um, huh. 
what's the word? The situation is with the Wheels Museum. Right. I don't, I don't know if it's like a place you can. It's always closed. Yeah. I don't think you can just drop by on a Saturday yeah. still. But if you ever do get a chance, it's got a lot of cool old uh, transportation from Albuquerque's past, including yeah. like a trolley car, wow. and old volunteer nice. uh, fire department uh, carriage, and you know lots of train stuff as well. So it, it's awesome nice. to check out. Museums are so weird. There's a bunch of things with wheels. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to have a theme, right? <laughs> I feel like I've also seen cheesy photo shoots at the rail yard. So oh. it's become one of those yeah, well, yeah. spots. So, it's so accessible yeah. now, too, right? Well, you know, it's. I mean, I got kicked out of there a few times exploring early on. That's where I learned that if you trespass with children, you can really get away with a lot. I'm like, I'm just here with my adorable children. Oh. <laughs> Don't I throw me out. Don't work. give me three felonies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> probation for the rest of the year. Right. Also, have some historical knowledge because if you can really disorient people when they catch you trespassing. If you can just be like, did you know this was the site of... <laughs> <laughs> so history stuff. isn't just for it's totally disarming yeah use really... history to get out of yeah. uh, trespassing <laughs> tickets <laughs> <laughs> yeah ask Mike how well that's worked out for him it's worked run. it's worked few times <laughs> so far hey no yeah. actual felonies yeah that's true yeah um yeah. <laughs> That was so there's, knocking away. There's that. Anything else yeah. uh, Albuquerque, Albuquerque related going on right now? Let's see. Our mayor has officially uh, yeah. signed the documents to decriminalize oh. possession of oh. less than an ounce of marijuana. Oh, okay. That's pretty good. Good. And he was featured in the New York Times uh, for oh, yeah. attending ha- heavy metal shows. And having an all metal playlist on Spotify, huh? He's yeah. cool. Tim yeah. Keller, we like you. Be on our show. It's cool. <laughs> Crime is yeah. down overall, but oh, yeah. up in murders, which is oh. kind of... <laughs> Yeah, it's oh, kind of really? hard to take that as like great right. news, but yeah. um, well, good except yeah. for the murder part. Yeah, where's it? Yeah, you gotta you gotta stick that in her face. Mo- mo- most crime is down, and yeah. murder, but murder is crime. That All categories of crime are down <laughs> except for the murder category. About well, they have color. it in different. Murder is in really tiny, <laughs> <laughs> it's in like ten, and crime. Yeah, there's like an asterisk. It's like all this crime Woody, down in the city. In the same room. And it's got an asterisk, and then you go down at the bottom and like two point type. It's like except murder. I, as a, <laughs> I, as a concerned Albuquerque citizen, feel like this should be <laughs> further a priority. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, it's like property crime and you know violent non murder crime. Wow. Just assaulting people is down. People are doing that less. Yeah. Uh, Mara and I were driving something. down Zuni, and we saw. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you. We were driving down Zuni, and we saw this one guy just shove another guy off a bench into the street in front of a car so he could take his spot on the bench. See? That guy's <laughs> doing that less often. <laughs> he has only done that three times this week instead of five. The guy's like, hey, why'd you do that? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No the dangers about her. of moving yes, around yes. in Albuquerque. I guess. Wow. Well, um, so stuff. Mike, uh, yeah. we're going to be talking about yeah. little towns oh, yes. outside of a Albuquerque. very small town, yeah. Um, perhaps such as one might wish to uh, to get away to sure. on, a, on a spring day when they learn that the murder rate has gone right. up in Albuquerque. <laughs> right. which, well, maybe I could go live in peaceful Sabino, it's true. Sabino New Mexico. So, Sabino, what are we talking about today? We are going to talk about Sabino, New Mexico. You know, I used to always say that the Sandias were like New England and the Manzanos were like the Deep South. 
because it kind of felt like the Sandias were a little lighter in area, airier, you know? Well, and then I got into the history of the Sandias, and I'm like, no, they're actually pretty dark, too. And the Manzanos are really dark, too. And New England's history is really dark, too. So the whole analogy just falls apart. So or it all works. Maybe works on a real dark level. In the, in the Lovecraftian sense of yeah, New England. It just, like, the Sandias felt a little more, like, sunlit, and the Manzanos were, like, a place where um, you would find pot fields in the woods or um, um, a crystal meth making thing or like there would be a gangland execution of a family except the kids who would be trapped in the house afterward. I mean, there's some really nasty stuff has that has happened, happened down there. That, yeah. yeah, that all happened. Yeah. And, um, let me tell you my favorite Manzano it, story before okay. we right. go on. Right. It's a Manzano crime story, okay. but it was, um, a friend of mine was a, a cop in, uh, in the County. I knew it. I knew you were friends with cops. Yeah. <laughs> kidding i'm a cop too um i'm not so he uh he worked the uh the beat in the monsanos and in uh, sandia and he told me about this murder that had happened in chili lee oh yeah which is already a strange place chili lee if you go to chili lee it's got big signs that say um this is a sovereign land grant territory Do not stop. Do not take pictures. Do not inquire uh, yeah. about land for sale. So it's very intimidating driving yeah. through it. They basically consider themselves a you know a, a sovereign place mm-hmm. um, because very, of the land grant issues right. that happened in the seventies, right? Yeah, or yeah, seventeen right, seventies maybe. Who oh, knows? Really, you know, this is yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, they were deeded land by the Spanish king right. back in seventeen seventy, and they've like not accepted American control. Wow. <laughs> now that doesn't stop police from going on. On there, uh, if there's been a murder, mm-hmm. and in this case, there was a murder of two twin two twin brothers lived together in the same trailer, and one night they got into an argument, and one stabbed the other with a whaling harpoon. Oh my god! What? Where do you even have that from? He had a whaling harpoon oh. in his <laughs> in his trailer, oh. and, that he um, shared with his twin brother. <laughs> he shared. We killed. Yeah, this yeah, is why so I don't collect those. <laughs> <laughs> when emotions right. run high, it's you true. don't if, want the whaling harpoon around. If you're in possession of a whaling harpoon in your house, mm. your chances of Ooh. suffering a whaling harpoon related injury right. go up monstrously. Statistically, a lot. Yeah. However, you are protected in case of whale attack. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so important. The solution to a good guy, bad guy with a whaling harpoon is a good guy. If only uh, the other brother, you're right. right, had a whaling harpoon. <laughs> this would never have happened. Oh, oh, there's oh that, dog. There's that dog. There's that I don't dog. like that dog. <laughs> but uh, that's also a place... Um, We've talked a little bit about Al Capone's supposed doings in New Mexico. Oh, yeah? There's a bar in the Manzanos that they, uh, they swore was one of his like hideouts. And I Really? What no. bar is even in the Manzanos? The Ponderosa in Irisari? Yeah. yeah, probably really? the Ponderosa. That's got to be it, right? I used to know that area pretty well in high school. I had a friend who lived there. He might have just been talking yeah. nonsense at me. but Yeah, I don't I mean, think so. He had a friend, one friend in the Jemez. We should do an episode of that. I wrote an article on that. I think it's probably yeah. like a, yeah. it's a legend that's grown. Yeah. Maybe people are lying on purpose, yeah. or maybe they've just heard things and yeah. put, mm-hmm. put some numbers together. We should say for our listeners that we're recording this at the historic Albuquerque Press Club, and one of its residents uh, was Cliffy, right, who, oh, yeah. who um, lived here for a long time, and she was one of the people that claimed to be an eyewitness to Al Capone coming to That's New Mexico. That's right. She said that oh. she had visited, yeah. or her daughter said that she had visited Al Capone's yeah. uh, hideout in the, in the Hamas Mountains. At Seth Cedars Ranch in the Hamas, yeah. And, I, and I've been there 
right before the big fire that totally destroyed the area when you could see the foundation of it and stuff. I think it's very possible. I mean, we, we know that Al Capone came through New Mexico on the train. There's a photo of him in Albuquerque. Yeah. But, um, and who can resist <coughs> the green chili? Right, <laughs> right. And Seth Cedars in the Jemez was a former Chicago corrupt dude who uh. had all sorts of dealings with... I mean, it's very possible. That, I, I don't think he had like hideouts as in like... There were catacombs underneath it or something. Like that. <laughs> right, just, right. He had friends around the country that he knew he could go to when like, the like, heat was on. You know, anywhere that Al Capone yeah. went just automatically becomes his hideout. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's not just his summer getaway. Uh, right. I like uh, I like Nora's theory that maybe he was just craving Lauderburger. Yeah, you know? <laughs> which didn't exist right. yet. <laughs> didn't exist. Yeah. But he was like, it's gonna be here. <laughs> It was good. Okay, like so that. tell us about this town we're going right. to talk about today. What, so, what's the in a location? word, Sabino is kind of unspectacular. It's really not like, like honestly, oh. every time I go there, I'm like, why did people settle here? Should it, we it, just wrap it up then? Yeah. Like, <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for yeah, joining yeah, us yeah, tonight. Right. Uh, no, listen. Okay. So, I think it's really interesting, though. These places that just seem to be kind of like they're just nothing, you know, like a tiny little town. Some people lived and scraped out a living. But that's kind of what we're doing. We're all doing on some level. Albuquerque is just a big town. We're all we're all scraping out a living, right? Yeah. But Sabino is in the Manzanos. I tend to do a lot of stuff about the Sandias. I think I have like a Sandia bias from growing up there and stuff. Sure. But um, the Manzanos are really interesting too. And for anyone that doesn't know, there are two mountain ranges to the east of Albuquerque: the Sandias and the Manzanos, and they go really far down. The Manzanos are super long. They're like forty plus miles long, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, the Sandias are 26 miles long, and in the middle, they're divided by um, Terrace Canyon that people drive through to go east of here on, on I-40 and to get to the towns and the mountains. But um, the, uh, the Manzanos are a really interesting place. I mean, half of them are off limits because it's military land. It in- they include Kirtland Air Force Base. There's a ghost town back there called Coyote Springs. It's on military yeah. land. No one can go to it. Used to be a mineral water town. I've talked to locals that said that they would see the wagons with bottles full of mineral waters going water going away from it, and the corks would just all be exploding out as the <laughs> mineral water got shaken up and from the jostling of the wagon. Cool. And stuff. I mean, wow. the Manzanos are really interesting. And today there are towns down there. Uh, uh, South 14 is the little highway that goes through there. It's very winding. It's terrifyingly curvy. I mean, it's just like back and forth and back and forth. Um, you know, it's there's interesting things back there. There's old roads that have been left abandoned, and now people like walk through the trees to these roads that are completely detached from the road systems and bike on these paved roads that are just oh, wow. like back in the wilderness. It's super cool. cool. There's towns like Irasari and Chilali and Escobosa and Mountaineer and uh, Vaughn are kind of on the periphery of, of all that stuff, I think. Um, and, uh, you know, there's just interesting little communities out there, tons of little ones whose names I forget. But one of them is Sabino, which was not that long ago um, uh, bought by the county. And uh, they made it an open space. And it's really interesting. It's got a lot of layers of history. And I was hired by the Forest Service at one point to do this massive study on its history because nothing had been written about it. Mm-hmm. And so for like several months, I just researched the hell out of Sabino, New Mexico. And this is a and ghost town, right? It's kind of a ghost town, but there's, I mean, there's not that many buildings there. There is a, an old fox farm there. There are rubble outlines of the Spanish village that was there beforehand. There's a lot of really interesting stuff. The fox farm is really interesting. It's extensive. And there's a house that I found a giant picture of this guy's Ophi kids in. They were all like, uh, I'll, I'll get to that. But, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, it's just a really interesting area. But you look at it, and it's just really dry, and there's no obvious water sources. And it just looks like this is like a place to go through and not stop. But a lot of people did stop there. 
And, you know, they left a mark. And it actually, like, verges on some big stories. And Charles Lindbergh gets involved at one point. There's some really, like, wild stuff in this piece. But it's kind of long, so I think I should read it in, like, multiple sections. And we should have some conversations in between. Sabino Canyon, a history. Part one, Sabino Canyon, open space. Today, aside from a scattering of houses along a nearby gated road, the Sabino Canyon open space lies quiet and peaceful, a place of wind-rustled sagebrush and dusty junipers, dry grass meadows and animal trails, prickly pear and rock and duff slopes. Pinyons and junipers model gently swelling hillsides, meadows of grama grass spread among them, and here and there are ruins and traces spanning centuries. There are vague intimations, still awaiting thorough archaeological exploration and analysis of Native American occupancy going as far back in time as 5500 BC. There are hints of early Spanish settlement from the 1600s. There are stone foundations from the late 19th century from a short-lived village. And there are the remnants of a fur farm and of a 1970s resettlement. There is history here everywhere. The history that abounds across what is now Bernalillo County's 117-acre Sabino Canyon open space is not the history of an event that involved the world, the epic narratives told in history books, or a place that foreign tourists ever plan to visit. It is, instead, a quiet history, a rich but mostly forgotten historical unfolding. It is an area that, whenever it was mentioned in the newspapers, was always identified with another nearby settlement, Cedro, never even seeming remarkable enough to be mentioned as a place all its own, though it was, and it is. It is an area that possessed and still possesses a very real history, a history that feels especially important because one can drive right to it and touch its lasting proof. Here was the surgeon's house where he slept and wrote and made his plans. Here was the fur farm brought down by death and love in the Great Depression. And here was the town, the old town, the town. Part two, Ojo Sabino. Sometime in the early 1870s, the community of Ojo Sabino, originally named Rancho de, del Ojo del Sabino, was founded in the Manzano Mountains of central New Mexico by a small number of Hispano-Catholic families. Today, little remains to attest to that town's former presence. The weedy outlines of a few stone foundations, rust-crumbled cans strewn about among junipers, some scattered shards of purpling glass, and yet a close examination of Ojo Sabino's historical record does allow modern-day researchers to begin to piece together portions of the little set settlement's elusive history. The community of Ojo Sabino grew from soil that had been cleared in the mid-1860s, cleared when the last Navajos and Mescalero Apaches were forced from the area and relocated by the U.S. government. Before that time, the area's Hispanic families had been confined by their own fears in such nearby mountain towns as Tejeras and San Antonio, towns whose walled plazas kept them somewhat defensible in the event of Native American raids or attacks. By 1865, with the Navajos and Apaches gone, residents of the area villages of San Antonio, Tejeras, and Carnwell began venturing out into the surrounding areas founding smaller settlements in more remote locations among the creek sides and wooded slopes of the Manzano Mountains. In 1868, area man Teodoro Griego founded just such a settlement, the community of Cedro, an approximately two-mile ride southwest of the future site of Ojo Sabino. And historically, it was normal for one settlement to lead to still others. That is, the same resources that drew Griego to Cedro, along with the visible small-scale success of that town, would have attracted others to form other settlements nearby, such as the bean farming village of Juan Tomas, about three miles east of the future site of Ojo Sabino, and such as Ojo Sabino itself. At the time of the 1870 census, however, no record was made for Ojo Sabino, and most, if not all, of the men and women who would later be its first documented residents were living in Tejeras, 
the mountainous crossroads village and approximately six mile ride to the northwest. This suggests that in 1870, Ojo Sabino did not yet even exist. By 1875, though, it apparently did, as on April 26th of that year, Francisco Sanchez was born, his records show, in Rancho del Ojo del Sabino, a name that loosely translated describes a camp at Sabino Spring. The name Rancho del Ojo del Sabino predates every other known reference to the community and most likely served as the settlement's original, most descriptive, and most formal name. Sometime between 1870 then, when most or all of the community's residents still lived elsewhere, in 1875, when a birth took place at Rancho del Ojo del Sabino, a community rose into being, its stone walls slowly piling up from the desert grassland, its fields unfurling over sandy earth. Ojo is Spanish for eye, or natural spring, and indicates that the area's water would have been a vital factor in the selection of the site. Ojo Sabino sat, and its ruins still sit, on the north side of what would eventually be known as Sabino Canyon, a rocky, vegetation-filled defi defile through which a small, spring-fed creek still occasionally flows, and the water of which would have been vital for both survival and irrigation in its high desert locale. The canyon evidently took its name from the settlement, and not the other way around, as the name of the town appears on maps decades before the name of the canyon. Sabino is a masculine form of the Spanish Sabina, meaning dwarf cedar juniper in specific, and juniper trees in general. Both grow abundantly throughout the area and would have provided firewood, juniper berries, and construction material to Ojo Sabino's inhabitants. The nearby community of Cedro also got its name from the area's junipers. Cedro means cedar or juniper. The uninhabited openness of the area would have been another important attraction for the residents, for grazing their livestock, livestock and for farming. Also important would have been the future town site's political location, located where it was within the southeast boundary of the then 90,000-acre Canyon de Carnway land grant. That once tremendous grant was first parceled out to settlers of the Manzano and Sandia Mountains circa 1817 by the Spanish government to encourage residents of Albuquerque and its environs to establish protective outposts around the city, buffer zones, quote unquote, against any Apaches or Comanches who might want to take the Spanish residents' livestock or possessions. Such grants theoretically ensured that there would always be land available for the descendants of the Spanish settlers who first braved the mountains, and Ojo Sabino came to occupy a place within just such a grant. By the time of the 1880 census, enough people had settled in Ojo Sabino, or Ojo del Sabino, it was sometimes more formally known, for the tiny village to receive its own page in the census book, detailing the inhabitants of Ojo Sabino in the county of Bernalillo Territory of New Mexico, enumerated by me on the 24th day of June, 1880, quote unquote. Re recorded residents at that time consisted of seven interrelated Hispano-Catholic families, comprised of 26 individuals with at least four of the seven families having moved down from the village of Tejeras in the years since 1870, down the rough wagon road that would later become New Mexico Highway 10, and that today is New Mexico Highway 14. The town's residents, as of 1880, included Jose de la Cruz Gonzalez, a farmer, as well as Gonzalez's wife, Rosalia, and a nine-year-old son. An older son of theirs, Manuel, brought his own family, his wife, Mauricia, and their three young children, and worked at Ojo Sabino as a farmhand. Another farmhand, Canudo Sanchez, lived in Ojo Sabino with his wife, Antonia, and their two children. Another, Manuel Nuanes, lived there with his wife, uh, Juliana, and their two-year-old daughter. Another, Perfecto Garcia, lived in Ojo Sabino with his wife, Juana, and their teenage son. Two other men were also listed as heads of household there in 1880. Malguidius Ramirez, who didn't list an occupation, and who lived there with his wife, Abrana, 
who may have been the daughter of Manuel Nuanas, and their two young children, and Jose de Trujillo, a herder, who lived there with his wife Dolores and their two daughters. With Jose de la Cruz Gonzalez, listed as the town's only farmer, and with four of the town's seven male heads of household listing their occupations as farmhands, the town's women all recorded their work as being at home, quote unquote. It seems safe to suggest that Jose de la Cruz Gonzalez may have been a central figure in Ojo Sabino's community life, perhaps even the community's founder. Aside from apparently being Ojo Sabino's only major employer, at 50 years old in 1880, Gonzalez was older than every other man in town, generally by as many as 20 years. In 1882, the town received a mention in a land-grant-related deposition fi filed by Salvador Garcia, a farmer from Carnwell. Garcia mentioned that Jose de la Cruz Gonzalez and Manuel Gonzalez were still heads of families, quote-unquote, within the grant, and said, quote, coming from west to east, the first placita met is San Miguel de Carnwell, then the Tijera, that's Tijeras, then San Antonio, which is the largest on the tract, then Canyoncito de Nuanas, and then the Cedillo, then El Cedro, then Ojo del Sabino, unquote. At the time of the 1890 census, there were almost certainly still people living at Ojo Sabino, but any potentially relevant records made during that accounting were later destroyed in a fire at the Commerce Department in Washington, D.C., and so it cannot be said just how many people were still residing there. Enough evidently remained into the early 1890s for Ojo Sabino to be included on an 1893 map of the original Canyon de Carnway land grant, as did at least seven buildings indicated by dots on that map. A nearby note on that map mentions 30 families in this vicinity, and the dots scattered around Ojo Sabino's name hint that at least some of those families live there. But something evidently happened at Ojo Sabino at some point in the mid to late 1890s, or perhaps something failed to happen, because by the time of the 1900 census, the town appears to have faded dramatically. In 1900, Ojo Sabino received no mention at all in the census, and a search of census records for the town's various 1880 inhabitants shows that at least six indi individuals had relocated to the nearby Sandia Mountain villages of Tejeras and San Antonio. Most notable among the emigrants was Jose de la Cruz Gonzalez, the town's patriarchal farmer, who had moved to Tejeras with his wife, Rosalia. Jose's son, Manuel Gonzalez, had left as well, settling in San Antonio with his wife, Mauricia, in a household of eight more. By the time of the 1910 census, still others had made the exodus, with at least seven additional former Ojo Sabino residents settling into Harris. These included Manuel Nuanas, listed in the 1910 census as Manuel Gonzalez y Nuanas, and his wife Mauricia, Canuto Sanchez and his wife Antonia, Jose Trujillo and his wife Dolores. This means that by 1910, at least five of the seven families who had lived in Ojo Sabino in 1880 had left, and it may well be that all seven had gone, leaving Ojo Sabino to the desert, to the coyotes, empty. This small but perhaps complete exodus may have been caused by the advent of better employment opportunities in Harris and Albuquerque, both of which were growing. It may have been caused by Ojo Sabino's sudden exclusion from the Canyon de Carnway land grant when the grant's boundaries were dramatically shrunk by government surveyors in 1901, shrunk from 90,000 acres to 2,000, a reduction that left residents throughout the mountains fumbling to file their properties as homesteads. Or it may have been caused by a severe drought which desiccated Colorado and New Mexico from 1895 to 1904, and which a recent tree ring study showed to have been among the very worst droughts of New Mexico's last 1,000 years. Such a drought could have easily have dried up the area's spring, leaving Ojo Sabino's few families without usable water. Such a lack of water would have made farming impossible and life in general difficult, and would have left Ojo Sabino's remaining residents with few reasons to remain. 
Today, the area's spring is completely dry, lending some support to the thought that Ojo Sabino's death may have been caused or hastened by a drought. As the town's spring may have been fading from beside the town, the Ojo appears to have faded from Ojo Sabino's name. The community of Ojo Cedillo, about five miles northeast of Ojo Sabino, lost the first half of its name as well. It became simply Cedillo. For some time, Ojo Sabino seems to have disappeared from area maps altogether, but it returned in the 1930s, at least in name, first on a road map and then on a 1937 Rural Electrification Administration map as Sabino. This may have reflected the possible loss of the community spring, or the name change may have had more to do with the railroad-fueled growth of the city of Albuquerque, the arrival to central New Mexico of thousands of victims of tuberculosis in search of a dry climate, and the gradual accompanying influx of white English-speaking newcomers to the mountains east of the city. These newer arrivals changed the racial and linguistic character of Albuquerque. It had been Albuquerque with an extra R before their arrival, and they changed the towns of the Manzano and Sandia Mountains. English-speaking European-Americans moved into the neighboring villages, Ojo Sabino's residents moved to Harris and elsewhere, and Ojo Sabino became merely Sabino. It became a place in ruins. Today, the western half of the now-faded community lies within the borders of Bernalillo County's recently established Sabino County open space. The town's eastern half rests on private property. Fragments of thick glass Coca-Cola bottles and rusted scraps of cans remain to hint at Ojo Sabino's final years and to suggest, with their maker's marks, that Ojo Sabino may have been used as an occasional camp even after its apparent demise as a town. Sabino. Okay, so drought and employment opportunities are attractive theories, but what if there was a cursed whaling harpoon? <laughs> That's true. And it broke up the family. Case closed. Okay, we figured it out. So this, I mean, it sounds very much to me like this, this has got to be like a story told in New Mexico a thousand times. A million times yeah. over. It's so common. Um, but it's kind of cool still. It's still interesting, I think. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, and they're I, each I individuals. Yeah. yeah. I don't totally. mean that to detract from yeah. Sabino at all, but yeah, actually yeah. to say like this is very right, right. Here's a word I haven't used in a while: emblematic. Oh, of, uh, <laughs> I like when you say emblematic. It's great. <laughs> emblematic of uh, of the yeah, yeah. like I say, uh, the fate of many a, many a small town yeah. in uh, in this state. <clears throat> it's true. I wrote this in 2008. There was a date in there that I didn't read. I'm like, at one point it was like today in 2008. I'm like, I wrote this ten years ago. Oh, ten years ago. That's like a lifetime ago. So uh, can you describe? <laughs> Describe what the pl- site looks like now. Yeah, we're you know, in the deserty sort of area. Um, so I wrote this ten years ago. Uh, you know, Sabino today. I went out there not too long ago with Maro and some of my kids, and uh, I mean the fox farm is all still there. We're going to get more into that. What's and the countryside like? The countryside is, you know, it's not the most spectacular desert, high desert mountains, but it is high desert mountains. They're kind of low rolling hills for the most part. There's not a lot of views. There's some sort of clearings and meadows. There are some really good trash piles. I mean, there are like like some old trash piles full of metal and glass and stuff. I think I found an intact bottle out there once. I mean, it's really, <clears throat> it's really an interesting. Uh, I found the bottle in the arroyo, not in a trash pile, but but um, but I mean, it's really an interesting. Area. Um, it's kind of, let's see, what are the trees? There's a lot of scrub oak, a lot of junipers, a lot of pinyons. Um, it's, 
it's kind of all low. It feels like those low rounded hills of the Manzanos. And I don't know if you're familiar with, have you either been to Cedro at all? No. no. It's an interesting little community. Um, <clears throat> there's this wonderful video taken by the Rice family in the 1930s of oh. driving through the East Mountains. And they end in Cedro, which is just two miles from Sabino. And the closing shot of this video is an airplane coming into it. It's so ominous. Oh. It's like, oh, it's coming. Everything's going to sure. change. Everything's changing. Um, How far off the, of it is from, or what's that main road, NM14? Yeah, South 14, they, they call it down there. How far off? It's a little, there's a couple of roads to drive. You can find this now. There's maps to Sabino and stuff, and the county has really done a great job of restoring this area. There are informational plaques with quotes from this thing I'm reading right now all over, like, because that's what I wrote it for. And cool. <laughs> cool. super weird, though they edited it a little. You know, no one's ever happy with their editing. But uh, the, <laughs> the, uh, um, but it's really weird to see, like, that's recognizable prose from me on this informational plaque. Cool. It's, 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 um, you know, there's a few buildings out there. I, I think the, the Sabino um, outlines are really close to South 14 to the pavement themselves. Like, you can see them from the mm -hmm. road. Um, and then as you go back further, there are a few more things, and there's some interesting clearings. It's picturesque. It really is picturesque, but it's also, like, it's like a kind of muted beauty. Mm -hmm. It's really subtle. Like, you don't go there and be like, wow, Niagara Falls and the Grand Canyon, they're amazing. You know, like, it's, it's not that at all. It's really much more like just, you know, little desert hills mm -hmm. surrounded by other desert hills, not a lot of vantage points, not a lot of views, some nice trees, ponderosas and pine trees and stuff here and there, you know. Anyway. You made me want to check it out. Yeah, it's cool. Sure. It, it is worth checking out, you know, for sure. Well, like, let's, uh, yeah. let's yeah. see. I'm yeah. looking up right now how to get there. Okay. Yeah. If you would like to go to Sabino, Ty, we'll How many you. minutes does it take? An hour? I bet you could be there in a half an hour half from an here. Hour? Maybe 40 minutes. Yeah. yeah maybe Should we go there after time. we record and just drive out yeah. there? Yeah. Hey. What's up? <laughs> See what the... Um... <laughs> okay, oh, so... Oh, Marlon's dinner uh, instead. Okay, oh. never mind. <laughs> <laughs> its location is 34 Forest Road, okay. 252. All right. Um... In the Monsanto Mountains. Okay. It's 117 acres of pinon juniper forest and upland meadows. Nice. Uh, owned by the county since 1999. Hmm. Um, and you can go and you can experience some of the things that, uh, that Mike was telling us about there. Uh, and that brings us uh, to the end of part one of, uh, of Sabino, New Mexico. Uh, join us for the next episode where we delve a little bit farther into this little town. We're going to get into a a fur farm, and then a, then a very odd latter-day chapter that has an unexpected connection to Charles Lindbergh of all things. So check that out next time, and thank you guys once again for listening.